This is Geek Gab with your host, Darnall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, March 26, 2022. Um, I was going to make some kind of fun comment about 2022 being even more exciting than, than I had anticipated, but... Everything that's been making it exciting recently is is all politics. And I really don't want to talk about politics. Um, Halo sucks. Halo sucks? Are you talking about a video game? No. Although that's been sadly true. No, I'm talking about the Halo Paramount show. It sucks. There's a, yeah, Paramount TV show, Paramount Plus streaming service TV show. So the defining characteristic of uh, John Spartan S. Sierra 117 is that he never takes off his suit, right? Sure. Like somebody hacked the original Halo game as... So it was third person, so I could see it in third person. And they got to see what his face looks like when he takes off his helmet at the end. And you know what it looks like? I I imagine it looks like a mannequin. No, it looks like his helmet. (laughs) (laughs) When he takes off his helmet, it's just his helmet. That's who Master Chief is. But not on this show. First episode of the show. He takes off his helmet and you get to see the actor. And That is incorrect. That is objectively incorrect. So, Halo sucks. Um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, it's unsurprising. And the quote somebody dropped on me like yesterday or the day before was... People standing on the shoulders of giants and taking a huge dump on them. (laughs) Which pretty much describes all your modern adaptations of material, like the Wheel of Time series and the Witcher series and the He-Man series and, you know, all your modern Marvel comics and, you know, just everything that the woke people produce they stand on the shoulders of giants and and take a massive dump on them uh because they can't make better stuff they just make crap uh but they've got control right they've got control they control the horizontal they control the vertical uh for the kids in the audience, that's a quote. Uh, that's a quote from The Outer Limits. It's kind of a Twilight Zone-esque TV show from the black and white era of TV. It's good stuff. You should watch that too. After you watch the original Twilight Zone, not this new stuff. Because this new Twilight Zone that was made by, I can't remember, either Key or Peel. I don't know which one is which. Uh, is standing on the shoulder of a giant taking a massive dump on it. That's what the new Twilight Zone is. So I'm bringing that back to the, you know, into the conversation. It's topical. 
It's not a digression. It's topical. <laughs> I'm not just, you know, I'm not just uh, undergoing a random gabbling senior moment here, getting lost in the weeds. It, it makes sense. So, you know, all these things suck. Hey, guess about, guess what? Picard. Uh, I'm going to watch it and talk about it sometime. Why? Apparently I watched oh, right, the show. two seasons of Discovery. I don't remember that. I must have blocked that out. That's how painful it was. I was surprised to find out I watched two whole seasons. Two. I lasted two seasons of that show. I'm sorry. I'm repeating myself. I'm shocked. Does that surprise you that I got no. through two seasons? It does not. It does it not. Actually, you You've got a strong stomach for garbage. <laughs> it surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> I was looking at it last night. I started a Paramount subscription, Paramount Plus subscription last night. So I could, uh, you see, this is how bad Disney was. I wouldn't watch. I haven't watched, you know, Black Widow or The Eternals or Shang-Chi. And I wouldn't watch. And these are all free for me now. I don't have to pay for them. Uh, I watched like four episodes of Book of Boba Fett and I stopped that. You know, Mrs. Marvel is coming out and I don't know if I'm going to watch that. All these shows haven't watched. They're free. Or at least they're already priced into the subscription. Uh, but, you know, I started a Paramount Plus subscription to watch uh, Picard and Discovery and, and Halo. Uh, so I started watching him last night, stayed up till five in the morning. That's why I'm a little fuzzy. Um, yeah, I watched three episodes of Discovery last night, watched two episodes of Picard, watched an episode of Halo. Not bad. I'd say you're learning and growing as an entertainment consumer. <laughs> it's going to take you a little while to get to my level where you hate everything, but you're getting there. So I'm going to watch those, and we're going to do some reviews on that, maybe in the middle of August, uh, April. August would be better. <laughs> I'd have time to let the pain fade. We do have some news, though, real yep. quick. Next week, we have Richard Fox on. Week after that, we have J.B. Jackson on. And uh, brand new, we just scheduled this last night. Week after that, we have John C. Wright on. Cool. Uh, and we have a guest today before we get to that. How was your week? Hey man, my week's good. Uh, life on the homestead is picking up. We are officially in spring. So I've got 101 new projects to do, uh, which is going to keep me busy and very excited. Uh, in entertainment news, uh, I've also been, wondering what the point is of all these streaming services but uh we sat down and watched 1883 i think that's also on the paramount streaming service and what i think you'd like it it's kind of a it's basically oregon trail the video game the show uh which that's a horrible description but uh, it's, it's not a cool shot format. 
where there was a storm blowing and uh, covered wagons were bouncing across the terrain. And that did more to make me want to watch it than just about anything else. I recommend it. It's uh, especially the first half of the season. It's like nine, ten episodes. Uh, it's it's you know it, it's about people on the Oregon Trail in 1883, and most of the characters are not prepared for it. And he's uh, got Sam Elliott in it. And it has, I mean, why didn't I open with that? It's got Sam <laughs> Elliott in it. They just put that man on screen. He can deliver any line. He can chew all the scenery. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. So what you're telling me, what I'm hearing you say is that you actually have a Paramount Plus subscription. So uh, you could watch these shows with me to do a review, but you're not going to. That's what that's, you're saying. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. I, you see, folks, I, we've been doing this show for so long. We have this, this unspoken communication. <laughs> I, I, it's somewhere along the lines, Daddy Warpig says, hey, I'm going to watch this show. And I say, cool. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. I'm so happy for you. Uh, That's so awesome. Word of warning, uh, there, besides Sam Elliott, the acting is overall very good. Uh, if, if you decide you want to watch it, D-Dub, and you get halfway through the season, and uh, they're going to kick in some melodrama. Um about characters that are not Sam Elliott or Tim McGraw. And so if you think, eh, I'm not sure if I want to watch this, that's okay. You can skip the rest of the season. I watched the whole thing and liked it, but. And Faith Hill in it too. That's right. Um, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, they've been together for like 30 years now. Uh, husband and wife on the show too. Um, awesome. I, uh, and this is not set in stone. I really, uh, I have a friend who's really into comics. I want to get him to come on the show so we can talk about like uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing and maybe Watchmen and, and Hellblazer. Because I've wanted to do a show about Hellblazer uh, ever since I've read the original series. I sat down like last year and read all 300 issues of the original series. So. I really want to do a show about that, and I'm hoping to get it set up for April. Um, so these, uh, I'm gonna have to talk to him. I'm gonna have to cajole him into coming on the show. You should do. That. I have friends in weird places. We have friends in in here places right now. Yes, we do. That's the mystery guest who's not a mystery because his name's underneath the show. And if you're listening to the chat, you already know. Also, I sent out a bunch of announcements, which has been getting kind of rare recently. But I did it for today. Oh, by the way, our secret mystery guest should know. I announced you as the best pulp writer of this generation. Whoa. And I will not hear any... Uh, any uh, gainsaying of that. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, I wish to introduce to you the best pulp writer of this generation.
friend of the show and all around awesome individual, Sky Hernstrom. Welcome <laughs> back. How are you guys doing? It's a, it's an honor, and I appreciate the uh, kind words. Uh, it's great to have you back, man. How it you is been? great to be back. Good. Um, woo. It, there is a, a lot has transpired since last we spoke. Um, I'll tell you this. Because it would seem sycophantic for me to uh, compliment you more. So I will give you a compliment uh, that I got for you uh, from another friend of the show, Jim Fear. Um, mm. He was cajoled into reading uh, Those Who Walked Away from Omalas by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was only cajoled into reading it so he could later read, almost immediately read, Mortu and Kairos in the White City. And he loved your story so, 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 so much. Excellent. It was, uh, I don't have the quotes in front of me because they're buried up in chat and, you know, Twitter won't let you search in group chats because, you know, it's Twitter and why give customers what they need when you can give customers what they hate? I mean, it's a philosophy. Yeah. It's a very popular philosophy. I think um, it is. Uh, Mortun Kairos in the White City. Um, you know, I, I know people that have read it and have, are not familiar at all with the Omela story. And it's just like this cool, crazy story. And um, that was the goal because I didn't, I didn't write it with the idea that like, I'm going to mail this to Ursula Lagoon and <laughs> she can read it and go suck eggs or something. You know, like I, it wasn't, it's not a shot across the bow in so much as it's just, it's an opportunity uh, just to affirm the idea that, you know, you could have heroes and they can do things that uplift you and you can feel better after reading a story as opposed to feeling worse. And, um, you know, I, I write a lot of stuff and some of it's pretty dark and uh, people make fun of me for killing heroes off. But uh, in that particular case, you know, I, I just wanted to feel good. You know, I wanted to, to read that and feel good. And more to Kairos, it's, it's my little franchise for lack of a better word. But I've got three stories now with them. And um, the White City was unique in that it, it was sort of riffing off of the Omelas, you know, and, and I did not. The, the point of those guys isn't to like encounter like, you know, and now we're going to do the moon as a horse mistress. No, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, it's just, uh, you know, there are two characters having these uh, insane adventures. So. The second installment was published uh, in Pilot Press in um, 
uh, the penultimate men. And that's a, a, a really cool story about this city that has this scorpion cult that they run up against. And the next installment is going into um, everybody buckle up for the, the big plug here. Uh, Pilum just launched the Kickstarter for a second edition of Thune's Vision. And Thune's Vision is an extremely um, important thing for me. And it's an extremely uh, just sort of a very, very important thing that I put together in, I think, 2018 or whatever. But uh, it's an anthology, a short fiction that I wrote. And, um, you know, to, to, to spice things up and uh, make people okay with buying it twice, um, aside from the fact that it'll be a beautiful book, uh, the third installment of the Mortu and Kairos series is in there. And it's Mortu and Kairos and the Servants of the War God. And um, I, I'm very... You know, we're into the third novella in the series, and it, it's exciting because it's, I, I hate world building. I hate getting a history lesson about fake places and fake people. You know what I mean? Like, I love fleshed out, fully informed worlds, fantastical worlds, um, but, but the ideal situation is to let these things come out sort of organically let the characters and the characters drive the action and the the context the world that you're in gets shaped as you move along and you get informed by that in a very organic way um so the 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 Mortu and Kairos world is very very strange I'm not going to sit here and lecture about it because that would just invalidate what I just said but um it's a very very strange world it's our world very very far in the future and uh, there have been all these epoch-shattering events that have informed everything. And as so, we're into the third novella now. So, sort of the table is set, and a lot. Of, so, there's a lot of interesting details that I was able to talk about in the world of that setting in the service of that story. So that was uh, immensely fun to write and immensely interesting. And you know, if you read the White City. Uh, things that are hinted at, you know, that they're starting to more be fully fleshed out. You know, we, uh, in that world, um, humanity is recovering from uh, an alien invasion that happened uh, hundreds of thousands of years in the past. And so uh, the, the, the remnants of those technologies are what enabled the, the white city people to do what they were doing. And then we touch on that. Um, just a little bit, a couple little fragments in the judgment of Dagon Ha, which is the second story. And now in the third story, the servants of the war god, uh, they encounter things that that um, really spell out a lot of things about those uh, alien occupiers that have uh, since been um, fled away. I mean, and it's it's fascinating, and you know, history and everything informs all this stuff, and. Uh, you know, we're all living in a world that was, there was a before and after the French Revolution. And in, in 
on a geological time scale, that was just the other day, you know? So, and now in terms of human lives and generations, that was a long time ago, but these are just sort of the things that, um, you know, when you do world building and you, you know, there's a sort of surrendering, a sort of letting go and, you know, allowing these sort of deeper, deeper things to inform the world building and sort of like these, uh, an understanding of um, how it works in the real world and the, the long tail that, that things have like war and, um, and how language is affected and, and everything. And then couple that with uh, uh, environmental factors, you know, just, but, you know, going back to the servants of the war God, you know, it was a great place, a very organic, natural place to talk about some of these things. So while you have lizard men getting decapitated and uh, flying ships with, uh, and, and, you know, this, this society that lives dug into the side of a cliff, all these fantastic things, these flying monsters. Uh, and then, you know, and I, I, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but it sets the table for uh, these moments when you're thinking about things that might've happened 1500 years ago in that world and how they're um, affecting the characters today. And uh, more to is, um, a species of human that was designed by those alien invaders as uh, as sort of the soldiers. And of course that's, that's ancient history in that world, you know? Um, but you know, it's, it, it's just really exciting to be um, getting to a point in writing where a lot of these seeds are starting to bear fruit. And a lot of these, um, ideas are, are uh, being able to really come to grips with them. And, and of course, you know, it's just, it's fantastic to, to write a story where there's a society that gets around on flying ships, you know, stuff like that. It's just so, so uh, fascinating. Like if you've ever read any of my stuff and you thought, man, I really enjoyed that. Like, um, it's difficult as a writer because, you know, anything you make, you're not going to look at it the same way that someone else looks at it. But um, the thought and the energy and the dedication, not dedication, like like some Olympic skier or something, but like the, the um, responsibility you take and, uh, you know, you want to make these things and you want to honor them and you want them to honor you. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, you put all yourself into it and, uh, you know, there's no bullshitting around. There's no, um, compromise and there's no, uh, there's no cheating. And, uh, you know, you get to a place where, you know, when someone tells you, man, I really enjoyed that, you know, you're thinking like, excellent, man. Cause I was right there. You know, that's, that's, that's. That's it. That's what we're doing. Um, whereas, you know, other types of writing or writers um, might be thinking like, well, uh, you know, if you were hired to make a commercial and somebody wants to buy toothpaste because they saw that commercial, that's a different sort of relationship with something you made and someone who consumed it. 
you know. But uh, you know, are I'm you right. saying are you saying that you sort of you can appreciate that sort of connection with an audience like in in the commercial sense yeah you're selling toothpaste but you can appreciate it when someone says that was a great toothpaste commercial but is you're saying it's something else when it's that that personal work of fiction and and they're they're not only connecting with the art you've created but the the whole of it is yeah. is because it, it it's all about you like you're selling your personal story yeah absolutely and that's um informed in in countless uh subconscious ways and in conscious ways obviously but um so you know it's a meaningful act it's a meaningful act and uh when someone connects with it uh it's it's just uh it's a really unique sort of human feeling and um it, it's just there's nothing better it's really awesome. So we got a great example of, of people are really connecting with not only uh, the stuff you've been writing, but more to Kairos in particular. Uh, have have you asked or, or have you intuited what it is about those stories in particular? Um, I th sometimes you make something and you you go back later and you think why why did i like that why why did i choose to do that and you can you can um think about it like that because when it i can't tell you exactly what i was thinking when when i sort of came up with more to Kairos, but you just sort of know you know i was like yeah you know i'm on to something here this is this is good stuff because i'm I'm getting psyched up. I'm getting psyched about it. I'm getting pumped up about it. And I think in particular, then looking back on it, you're like, um, more to Kairos is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing as a writer because it enables me to uh, argue about things with myself that I don't completely understand. You know, there's... Um, Kairos gets over a lot because he's very verbose, but I don't think, I certainly don't, uh, you know, I could be wrong, but like, you don't ever get the feeling that like, yeah, Mortu's all right all the time. He knows exactly what's going on. And you don't get the feeling that Kairos has got this locked. He, he knows what's going on. There's a constant back and forth and I'm not, you know, both of these are, are real, um, real people in my mind and they're not, um, they both got an equal shot here, you know, when they're arguing and, you know, sometimes it's clear that, that Mortu's made the right decision. Sometimes it's clear that, that Kairos has made the right decision, but um, it would be really shitty to um, let one of them get over at the expense of the other. I mean, you know, certainly for comedic purposes, that happens a lot, but um, not for like philosophical purposes. So, um, you know, Mortu comes from a mold. Uh, he's, he's from a warlike people. They were actually designed genetically for war, taking the base human stock and, and manipulated by these these aliens, the Illusi. And uh, Kairos is um, a man of God. He's, a, he's a, a Christian monk. And he's obviously gotten himself into a, a bit of trouble and been 
imprisoned in this body of a monkey. And uh, this is a good story. The, the servants of the war god was great to flesh out a little bit about, about how he felt about it and how others might feel uh, about his story, about that. Um, but, the, you know, the Mortu and Kairos are both on equal footing with each other. You know, there's a, a lot of mutual respect and, and some affection there. So I think that's one of the reasons it, it really works. So someone who had beliefs more in line with Kairos um, doesn't feel like he's getting short shrift. And the same thing with uh, Mortu. And it all comes from the fact that, you know, um, I don't have any of these answers. You know, I have I have suspicions and I have thoughts and I have um, ideas, but, um, you know, I don't know if people should be brought to trial or just summarily beheaded. Sometimes it's really not clear what 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 should happen. And uh, in that, I you know, it's it's that's what I want to come through. And that's that's how those characters act as a perfect vehicle for that. You know, so I think that that just worked out really well. Well, I'm going to share the Kickstarter right here. And I, you, you've got uh, do you have Jeffro on your payroll? Uh, <laughs> Jeffro's it's all pro bono between the two of us. <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, there's a lot of mutual admiration between me and uh, Jeffro. I think we were. Um, uh, if you combine me and Jeffro together, somehow, like some kind of Voltron machine, we'd be like Emperor of the Earth in probably two or three weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I can't even. I don't, how many years have we been bullshitting? I don't even. I couldn't even tell you. Well, I, I see. Life. I see that because I'm showing the Kickstarter right now. I'm taking a look at it, and uh, you know. As an aside, that that pledge has gone up by around sixty dollars since we started the show. So, and Jeffro's like, "New Mortu and Kyra story. The yeah. price of the new Thune's vision is well worth it just for that." Well, I think I think like <laughs> in, in one sense, like the the bar, like there's like so much bullshit out there. Do you know what I mean? If you just mm. If you're honest with yourself and you're committed to beauty, you're just going to kill it out there. Like, you know, John Delaros is on there right now, uh, flattering me with the autograph. Like, this guy's out there just killing it. He's just killing it. And it's, mm. he's basically doing it all by himself. You know, there's, there's like people are just starving. You know, we're all in this desert. We're all so thirsty, you know. And um, all sorts of ways that people can get uniquely positioned to to help people out with just a little bit of water, and and you're just killing it. It's just fantastic. <laughs> In a way, things are so bad, but um, you know, it, it's just awesome. And uh, you know, I've had a blast since I started doing this, so it just gets better and better. Well, he's he's. Uh, John's being humble here. He's definitely not doing it by himself. Pulp Rev Comics Gate been really supportive and awesome. Right, and that's uh, 
that's you guys are part of it. Uh, that's yeah, why, that's why we love having like you guys I, on. You know, I'm getting the same support system. But like, you know, at some point in time, John woke up and was like, you know, I'm just gonna fucking be awesome. You know what I mean? So it, it's just it's awesome. It's pretty outstanding. And like um I've worked with so many awesome people already, like Alex from Kursova. Gotta keep pushing that. And then Pylum, which when winds up being like uh it's like being in Kelly's heroes. You know, it's just fantastic. Like uh this band of criminals and pirates and just gonna start scooping it up, you know. Just so much opportunity out there right now. This is a good opportunity to segue into some interesting publishing news I heard. Uh, just about that. Have you heard about the recent uh, Kickstarter shenanigans with Brandon Sanderson? <laughs> I just like, I, I, uh, I've heard a little bit about that. I haven't, sometimes I read a headline and I'm like, I can't even, you know. So, like, you know, that guy's doing his thing and he's got a lot of people that want to read him. And so he made like eleventy kajillion dollars on Kickstarter. Like, what the hell's the problem? You know, <laughs> what's the problem? Well, Is he going to use that money to make like some sort of death ray? And he did better. He did better. He went around after making a thousand dollars per minute. The next day, he went out and basically uh, um, donated to every publisher Kickstarter. Oh, just neat. Yeah, why he not? Just, you know, he just turned around and supported everybody. That's awesome. Including Kursova's current running Kickstarter. That's, that's so? Yeah. Oh, great. That's awesome. All the writing projects on Kickstarter, everything like that. If if he's not on your list, send him a poke. Be like, hey, we're in the desert here. We're all thirsty. <laughs> we, we hear that you just got a whole tank of water. But like... Like, why? I don't understand. Um, I don't understand anything anymore sometimes. <laughs> like, why the hell would, like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't, I, you know, we're not selling RVs here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if someone, if someone's on Kickstarter, theoretically, they're going to be exposed to more crap on Kickstarter. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you know, just just make go out there and make what you want to make. You know, There's that's a it. Ton of people who would never have used Kickstarter, who all of a sudden created a Kickstarter account, who know what Kickstarter is. Uh, you know, when he did this, backing all these projects, he made a 30 minute video of them backing all these projects and picked like eight or 10 of them to talk about specifically. Uh, it might've been seven. I don't remember. I watched the video yesterday. I took half hour of my life and I watched the video and then included links to those that they especially like. So people could go to them and, and, you know, check them out themselves. I mean, mm, what a, what a, what a mensch, you know what I mean? What, who's, what's, what's the complaint? You know what I mean? It's just, Social media, especially, um, it's just enabled a very horrible and sad kind of person to come out and just try to wreck everything. You know, it's it's, just, it, it's incredible. At this point, it's incredible to see someone do something good with a platform. 
Yeah. Some some honest goodness. Yeah. So like more power to him, you know. If he gets eleven gajillion million dollars, if he buys the moon. <laughs> just makes it into like a theme park. He uh, some of them he just picked a nice tier, and on ones where like the expensive tier was limited. He didn't buy that one so that other people who no, wanted like the it fan could. could get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on ones, on ones where like they weren't going to fund by the time the video came out, he just went ahead and put in like $1,000 or, um, you know, whatever they needed to fund and just directly funded the project. That's fantastic. I'm just like, come on, guys. Lay off. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, um, there's a certain personality type or whatever you want to call it, where like, um, you know, if someone's determined not to be happy, they're just not going to be happy. You know, it's just it. You see, just um, cut sling load, move on. It's fantastic. It gives me hope for the future, honestly. Um, someone in chat says Brandon's revolutionized independent publishing, traditional publishing in the English speaking world is done. I mean, I I'd I'll say it's on its way out. And and what happened here is just the next step. Someone who was with those big <laughs> publishers who has that big name brand name recognition just went to the people and says, Actually, I'm gonna sell direct to customers. Yeah, this is all and the amazing part is, is you know, pointing at people like Pulp Brev and Kershaw and stuff, say, oh, and by the way, here here are thousands of people doing amazing work that you should be paying attention to. Yeah. Like, don't just go for the name. Like, we're we're out there. You don't have to buy New York Times bestseller stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, um, I think – Maybe it's a, I mean, we're all going to be a little bit patient, but like things are happening and things are going to continue to happen and there's nothing anybody can do to stop it. You know, um, people are, people will never not want stories and, you know, we're in the story business and we're just going to keep plugging away. I love it. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to go back to what you've been doing because you mentioned planting seeds and, and seeing what grows and, and bearing fruit. Um, so tell me what you have in it to completely flog this metaphor. Tell me what you have in the orchard or the garden that <laughs> is, uh, that, that you're looking forward to growing. So, uh, really focused on things vision right now, but I've got, um, I'm working on a, what's going to probably end up being a novel. And it's about um, this barbarian type that's been, uh, it's a very sort of dying earth setting, really extreme, uh, insane magic uh, power level kind of thing. Uh, very bizarre. And um, and this uh, there's a wizard who, for a variety of reasons, uh, needs to get a number of texts from his other wizards. Uh, in these conclave of wizards. And he 
hits upon a scheme to have them all contribute to a communal library. So one of the stipulations that these wizards are forced to agree on is that the library will be administered by an impartial third party. So uh, they find a likely candidate who's on the gallows about to be killed. And they take this this guy who's um you know a raider, a reaver, a barbarian, uh, mercenary, sellsword, uh, who was down on his luck, and they uh, cover him with all manner of wards and protections against spells, so that he is sort of uh, untouchable, by and large. And he's going to administer this facility, this library, and uh, naturally. These wizards are not completely candid with all their various motivations, and um, and this uh, poor guy is stuck in the middle of all of it. And uh, it's it, it's interesting because I don't I didn't think well I got to write a novel, uh, but it's just how it's how it's happening. And if that's how it's happening, that means I'm on the right track because um, I don't outline or anything. So I got that going, and uh, I've uh, been involved with the uh, with the comic project. Um, a guy I know contacted me, and he said, "Hey, man, do you wanna you wanna do a comic?" He's just had it. He just really wants to do something, and um, you know, he he's he had written or read my work and whatnot, and so I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And what we came up with was. You know, just to say it explicitly, um, not to be cagey about it, but like, it quite like I would sit down in a chair in my little office and think, what if I, what if I was doing the He-Man franchise? You know, what what if I was, it's 1980 whatever, and I'm going to invent the He-Man franchise? What would I do? And that's basically what it's what it spiraled into. Um, the project is called the Lords of Metheria. And I'm working with this artist, Ryan Dirks, who has this great, um, I don't know how I, what I call his style. Uh, I'm not sure what I call his style. I mean, it's it's definitely, um, well, it appeals to me. So it, it call, calls back a lot to like uh, Buscema and stuff like that. But um, we're going to... We've, you know, I created this world, you know, he was uh, getting some input on that. And, you know, like I said, this is this world, Metheria. It's in this uh, distant, distant region of space. And uh, the hero, Prince Andar, uh, he rules over, he's regent of the land of Vorn. And his father was uh, uh, nearly killed by poison, but is in stasis in like a coma. So he's got um, Merlon, uh, the the wizard, the sort of the Grand Vizier, and there's you know this sort of crazy cast of characters, and then we get into the villains, and uh, uh, Voldar is the the lead villain, and that's his brother, who they were born, they're fraternal twins, and the Oracle chose Andar to rule because obviously Andar's good, and Voldar's kind of bad. So Voldar, when he was not given the opportunity to rule, uh, did what villains do and rose up and there was a great battle. And that all happens to set up 
the the comic where it begins with uh andar coping with ruling his region and like you know this is no there's no winking at the audience there's no bullshitting around like um if you think that skull fortresses if you think uh spider-men like guys that are half spider half men not peter parker like uh arachnid people if you think that wyverns if you think that you know one guy has an axe another guy has a laser gun if if you think any of that's corny then just there's the exit pal you know what i mean like this is this is it this is the sort of like um you know i would invent a time machine so i can go give this to my childhood self you know what i mean like it's it's gonna be it's a little bit more violent maybe than you would give to a kid but i don't know <laughs> 80s stuff was kind of violent but um and like i've plotted out uh six issues of it and um i have people don't know this but like i love to draw and i love to paint but uh you know i just you know it's not really imposter syndrome when you are an imposter but like you know i'm not not as good as i would like to be so but but it's really cool because i've been able to do the layouts i've been doing rough layouts and like so we did the first issue did and i did rough layouts in the script turned it over to ryan who does pencils and proper finishes and um you know i've been loving doing the layouts you know it's been really 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 fun to like all right here's the page of comics what's happening on this like i want to communicate this information so how am i doing that visually and like um it's, it's using a different different part of my brain than necessarily uh um you know with, with just sticking to prose prose is is a big lift every single thing that the reader needs to know needs to be communicated to the reader and it has to be done in a pleasing and logical way you know now in a visual medium uh a lot of that's going to be done with visuals you know so laying it out on the page and you know and, and it's funny too because it all comes back around to just being some sort of language anyway but um it's been a great project uh jason tarpy from eternal champion uh me and him hooked up a couple years ago he's just a he's an, just an amazing guy just an amazing guy um and he writes too he writes and he's got some stuff from uh, dmr books and uh he he's putting out a sword and sorcery zine and i think it should be out sometime in the spring so we're going to get a lords of metheria mini story in the zine and then um after that gets out me and ryan have to sit down and, and finally hammer down how we're going to publish this this comic and we're not entirely sure but uh We'll get some previews up and get some get some buzz going. That's outstanding. A great tie-in with all your short fiction is to get an artist who loves that dark style and then put some pictures down. Yeah, yeah, it was it's really uh, serendipitous, you know, and um, just fantastic. Yeah, it should be a lot lot of fun. Well, hey, you know, you know the man right there, uh, John Delarose has been doing tons of comics for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah, I might if I were starting a comic comic, I'd talk to him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let me email that guy. Um, he said, I uh, loved his book. Where am I going to find it? I got it right here. I got I to gotta try to find this uh, comic for uh, Ardenon. You've got a couple of sketches up on your homepage, skyhernstorm.com. You should check that out. Oh, yeah, yeah. My website now. Yeah. 
My wife's making yeah. this awesome. Oh, I can't find this book. Deus Vault. Deus Vault. Yeah, he's working with that guy, Jesse White, who I saw when I was on Twitter before it completely destroyed my will to live. Um, I think his name's Jesse White, but he's uh, fantastic. Got this old school vibe going. I got my copy of that somewhere around here. And then I've got his uh, Flying Sparks. Um, is that what it is? Flying Sparks? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, John's you know, crushing it out there. It's awesome. He's one of the guys you're like, oh, fuck, no, I'm going to get on this too. You know what I mean? Like, he's making it look easy. I got your uh, got your site up here for those of you watching YouTube. First of all, uh, your wife did a great 1970s uh, or 1960s rather uh, um, psychedelic rock cover. I love that. Yeah, yeah, she's so good at that stuff. And uh, and this is all you got. And then I I scoured the internet looking for previews for uh, for the show uh, for this comic, and this is all I got right here. So I hope you're happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> I got to. Um... It's like I I almost didn't want to like it's gonna you know it takes time to do this stuff don't want to like yeah oh, this is coming this is great it's great it's great then everyone's waiting. <laughs> well, I understand I understand why you had to wait for me to ask about it because you are in the early early stages of getting this this book out but uh, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's coming like he's he's uh, issue one is um, inks are done you know. Uh, I gotta go through and check the the final script, and he's working on the inks for the mini story that's coming out of that zine right now, and I'll have to uh, uh, finalize the script for that. And it was funny too because the Lords of Metheria centers around Prince Andar and his his entourage and all the villains coming after him. Um, and you know, like I, I man, I am so tired of picking up a comic, like I you know in a comic in the graphic medium you can do anything you want. It is completely limitless what you can do with with comics. It's the same thing with with fiction. But um, I really appreciate that when I was reading comics as a kid, if you picked up an issue, um, they would devote a bit of time into getting you up to speed. And like you would enjoy the experience of reading a comic. You know, you wouldn't, you know, like in, in newer stuff, I'd like read a page and I'd be like, wait, what happened? What wait, what who's that guy? Was he there before? And then you gotta flip back and like, wait, what did I miss? Did it were two pages together? You know, like that that never happened. Like I I you know, I'll go to the quarter bins at places like Ides and uh, my favorite comic shop, uh Phantom of the Attic down here in Pittsburgh. And like you you buy something from the 70s or 80s, you open it up and um their odds are you're just going to have an enjoyable comic reading experience. You know, I mean, they weren't, they were some duds in there for sure, but like, um, you know, I want, I, you know, uh, I'm going to enjoy Lords of Metheria. There's going to be some, a little bit of violence, some, some stuff going on in there, but like, I, you know, it's important to me um, that a 12 or 13 year old be able to open that and understand what the hell's going on. And that doesn't mean you have to make it stupid or slow but like it you know things should follow in a certain way things should be understandable things should make sense and uh i think that's been largely left behind with uh some of the the comics now you know 
But uh, uh, I I have nothing to say to that. To that win. <laughs> I have something to say. Speaking of changing the subject abruptly, um, I uh, my favorite story of yours, and I don't know why. I haven't sat down and analyzed it. It's just the one that every time I see your name or every time you know I hear about. Uh, people asking about your work and stuff. It's the one that keeps coming back to me uh, is The Last American. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to revisit that sometime. Uh, and it just stays with me. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was um, that was a wild ride right there, man. That, that was uh, something I hadn't tried before. Uh, Krusova was putting, uh, Misha Burnett got with uh, Krusova Alex and they cooked up this idea of um, writers would all work in the same world and the world was this um, prehistoric pre-world kind of thing. And uh, one of his, he had this map of it and Misha was real insistent that there not be some giant book, just a couple design touches. And then you would go from there. And in this map, you know, we're in, if there's like what, like a proto North America, and there's this hot zone, there's a zone, a band of, of where, and it's like, there's so much radiation and heat or whatever it is that uh, it's, it's inhospitable. And that was it, man. Like I was, I was obsessed with that hot zone. So my my thought was that there's these lizard evil lizard guys uh created by this evil demigod sort of super being and they lived in the hot zone and periodically went up north to the more temperate area to raid and of course and they the raiders took this uh this guy's uh woman and uh, he knows he can't go into the hot zone because if you're there for any length of time, eventually you'll die. You know, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, you'll be fine. Whatever it was, the longer you're in the hot zone, the worse off you are. So he goes to see the wizard. Everybody knows about this wizard that lives on top of the mountain. And these guys are like Neolithic hunters. So he goes to see the wizard on top of the mountain. And um, I don't know, I guess I spoil it or not, you know, like, but um, the wizard is an American astronaut that was thrown back into time and using the technology that he has in the ship and everything. Um, uh, he's, he's just, he has this self-sustained system in this life up there. And of course he's very lonely, but uh, so with his ability to, to work with genetics um, primarily in the service of growing food and things like that, and, um, you know, he's, he's an American astronaut, but he's from, you know, 500, 600 years in our future. He modifies him so that he's able to go into the hot zone. And so essentially this guy trades his ability to live as a human in order for the ability to go, uh, rescue the one he loves. And it just so happens that, um, she loses her ability to in a different way but loses her ability to have a normal life so i wanted to set up this this thing and then go back to it and i will eventually where uh uh the hero is you know they're going to continue because i left a lot of 
a lot of uh, potential there to go back and, and finally defeat the uh, the lizard people. But that was a that was a that was a trip, man. That was a blaster, right? That was a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of the, one of the ones I remember liking. Although uh, per, personally, I keep going back to Thune's vision, just the like your earlier stories. Yeah, that, those are uh, that the Thune's vision is like I said, it's extremely special to me. I wrote that basically in a in a vacuum, just isolated, like uh, um. You know, I started writing and I think, I don't know, it was 2014. And I sold a story to this magazine called Lore. Uh, and then uh, just wrote some more. And then I then I hooked up with Kirsova Alex. And at that time, um, but that's all I was doing. I was just writing. And, you know, I had this, you know, didn't have time. You know, I'd ride the bus every day, about 45-hour long ride commute and I sit there on the bus and just zone out and uh there's a word for it I can't remember but like you know almost like a trance-like state and make notes in the notebook and just just let my mind go and uh get home and then write till two three in the morning and it I produced it uh pretty sizable amount of stuff in a very short time and i looked around and you know the, there's there were no markets for any of it you know alex couldn't publish every single thing i wrote you know and there just there were no markets and uh i just sat on it and, and polished it and thought about it and made more and then um at that time and i've got a bad head for these timelines but there was like uh, everyone self-publishing, 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 self-publishing is going to be the big thing and everything. So I just, oh, well, the hell with it, I'll just self-publish this thing. So I, I threw together Thune's Vision, just slapped a, a cover together real quick and put in uh, this watercolor painting I did. And it was just like, it was like a message in a bottle that I just tossed into the ocean, you know. And uh you know it it considering what it was you know it did it did well and it it you know people would email me and say like man this is cool you know and uh it's just just really wonderful and like i would sometimes i think that i should just unplug and disappear for two years and just do it again as an experiment you know um because that that i was i had you know I wasn't part of anything. I wasn't, it, it was just so sort of isolated and pure. And um, the only thing, the only goal with those things was just to, to make something that moved me and uh, completely irrespective of anything else. And it, it was just, just a remarkable, um, you know, I love it. You know, I love that book. I love the stories in it. You know, I can't I can't read reviews of it. I don't like to read reviews anyway. But um because someone will say, like, well, X is my favorite story. I don't like this one, or I wasn't crazy about this one, and the next person will say something go completely opposite. Like I really loved X, didn't care too much for Y. So like like 
Um, you know, but it, it, the response to it was was extremely good, and um, it's so personal and, and so intimate to me. You know, and that's that's one of the reasons. Uh, you know, when Pylum was getting ramped up, you know, and I was like, and I contacted Neil, and I was like do you want to publish this? I'm going to pull it off Amazon and you can publish it. And, uh, very gratefully, you know, he, he was into that. thought it was a good idea. So now like, I'm going to have something that I could put on the shelf and it'll, it'll be on the shelf with all the stuff I grew up reading. And it just, just feels really good. You know, just feels really, really good. Um, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with self-publishing at all. Um, but, you know, working with Neil and I've got extra material in it, um, you know, a, a nice new cover and then of course it'll be more of a book book than, uh, the thing I'm looking at now. And it doesn't help this, you know, like I'm not capable of self-publishing and, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, some people, you know, very people more intelligent, more together than I am. Can, can pull that off better than I could. Um, so, you know, I'll always be very, very nostalgic about this old copy of Thune's Vision that I'm holding. Um, but this new this new copy is going to be the one that, you know, gets in the vault or gets launched off into space or whatever. It's, it's, it's going to be fantastic. I love it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to second Brian Renninger, Challenger's Garland is super cool. I love that it's the front of the book. It's one of your oldest. Yeah, books. Uh, yeah. It, it is. It's a great one to read, uh, short and easy. Even uh, even when you know where it's going, just oh, from I know. The, yeah, the, like just the opening setup. You're like, yep, I know exactly what's going to happen, yeah, and it doesn't dude. matter. No, it's, that's the thing. it's so it's enjoyable. Like, like, you know, it's it's uh, I I don't yeah like it. it there's something about that like uh, you know, I'm not in night. Shamalamalam, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that guy. Like, I don't, um, if you, I, I don't care if you see it coming a hundred miles away. Like, that's not what I'm not trying to trick anybody, man. <laughs> you know, like, surprise, uh, it, it twists and surprise. That's fun. And, you know, uh, I'm not going to say that's not in the toolbox, but, um, you know, this is, you know, we're, we're on this journey. We're going to a place, you know. It's awesome. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, exactly. And to to that that story was amazing to write. Um, and of course, you know, I grew up in an, in an era where you'd see Death Dealer painted on the sides of vans. You know, mm -hmm. you know, sitting in the back of my dad's '81 Malibu, looking at these vans and stuff, and and you know where it takes your mind and what you imagine things are like and what you imagine. Um, you know, uh, what happens and everything, but, and, and try to think like, what, what does that mean? To, you know what I mean? Like, um, to be a villain, to be a servant of, uh, the God of death, you know, the, the, the that helmet is, is the coolest thing ever, but, uh, it, it, it's cool to look at on the side of a van, but that would be absolute sorrow absolute uh it'd be 
a horror. It would be in, inconceivable loss mm. to to be not alive and not dead, and to be cut off whatsoever from any human contact or warmth or anything, and just to live, just to slaughter and kill. Um, what would that feel like? You know, and, and um, you know, and, and the the story's uh, sad, not in a stupid way. But uh, I, I like. Let's see if I can communicate this. You know what I mean? Let Let me try to communicate this so that there's this poignant quality to it. So so you 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 just feel it. You feel it. You know what What would it be like if, in an instant, everything you could remember, every every interaction you'd ever had with a human being, would just been washed away? And now you're not dead because dead dead means something else dead means you're going to this other place dead means your soul has left your body that's not what we're talking about you know that in another context or in another way that that's not even necessarily a bad thing but what if what if you were uh gonna live in this gray wasteland alone until the time that you were needed to kill somebody and then brought brought out you know that's try to communicate that you know what does that mean and and that gets communicated through uh that 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 vibe that runs through everything and runs through every description and every setting and um you know you need the fox you need the 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 mischief you need the the loki type character you know what i mean to um work as an agent through that thing it, it's just that was just a fantastic story to uh to write uh and and fun for me to revisit for those reasons i think not to break not to break the smell i hope i don't break the spell but i think no, that no. is that is i think one of your strengths probably i w might even say the primary strength is that you successfully make your readers feel yeah that's I, it that's absolutely it you know like that's um that's the goal and like uh, it's it's this bizarre sort of duality and this paradox where like you know i'm writing about this stuff that i love you know like flying ships and and all this other stuff and uh dragons whatever and but um but the goal you know like that's but the goal is to to feel something you know what i mean these are just vehicles to get to uh places in us that we've we've locked up because we live in this sort of artificial weird world so we need these fantastical things to as a crowbar to get in those little cracks and then push and push and push um and then we then when then we get to those um places that we don't even access on a daily basis likely you know you try to be you know even in you know like when I'm holding my son or something or, or outside playing, you know, periodically just, just try to think and try to, um, you know, he's up on the swing set and the, and the sunlight's coming through um, and he's laughing and, you know, there's a nice, nice breeze, like sort of the last gasp of winter, you know, try to internalize all that and, and um, sort of live and exist in, in a, in a, way where you let your senses authenticate and and avoid that detachment that, that is constantly being forced upon us you know 
by mm. just the way we live. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure a lot of this sounds nuts, but it's, you know, it's like, I, but, I, hey, I feel it. I think I, I want, I want to put that in practical terms. The way I interpret that for the way I live is, you know, for years now, I've just been trying to cut back on electronic media entertainment that sort of thing ironically one of these this show one of the things that i love to do most every week and i really do right let's let's cut that back to the bare essentials because you know we all grew up watching tv and you know grand grandpa was right that stuff rots your brain yeah <laughs> and it's you know it's just um it's funny and and like i think that it's like i have dozens and dozens and dozens of fond memories of watching you know i grew up in the blockbuster era maybe a little bit before if you want to be technical but you know my dad would come home from work and he, he'd stop off before he got home he'd stop off at the rental place and he'd have two crazy ass movies and he'd be like come on boys you know and we'd all sit and watch some stupid movie or uh, you know you take us to the theater to see some gem like ice pirates i don't know if anybody remembers that one <laughs> but like but like uh um I, even I that, think as even that movie even that video rental place culture disappeared by the end of the 90s right yeah was, and the, the, the thing is like you know there's uh, obviously if you just do nothing but sit around and watch tv that's bad for you but um in a way like the way we were consuming media was different. It, it was an event, you know, like you had your life, you had all these things you got to do. And then, then media is part of that. Um, social media and our phones. And obviously, you know, this is a very complicated discussion because, you know, like I met Ryan, the guy, the artist I'm working with through Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, uh, hmm. Neil doesn't live around me. You know what I mean? So we're, we're talking with email and stuff, you know, like it, it's not a, it, it's a much more nuanced discussion than, than, uh, you know, technology is bad or whatever. But, um, the, the, all these, the changing ways we consume is sorting the, what Neil was saying with affect, you know, like robbing our ability to, to, to feel properly. You know, that's this question, like, you know, depending on your personality or your habits, you could consume all manner of media, social media, whatever. But, 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 you know, you as an individual, how is that affecting you? How is that affecting you to, to appreciate things in, in, you know, like, can you sit and watch a movie or are you some poor zoomer that's been growing up on TikToks? And can only watch something that's 10 seconds long, you know, before needing another 10 second video, 10 second video, 10 second video. So, you know, like, you know, it's tough. And like, um, I, you know, I've had to step back from, I have stepped back from a lot of social media because I just, it's like, how much, how much time do I have in a day? And, you know, really sort of practical discussions like that, you know? Absolutely. Well, uh, let's let's end on a high note. I want to make sure that Daddy Warpig, uh, any last questions or thoughts or anything before we start wrapping up? Apparently, the story was called The First American, and I got the name wrong. Apologies. I thought you said First American. Yeah, he said First American. 
Yeah, that's right. It was the first American. That was from uh, from Kursova. I mean, considering how weird the story is and, and how the guy comes from the future, to call it the last American makes sense, too. Oh, you said last. Yeah, whatever. That's, you know, everybody knew what you meant. Everybody knew. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've got this great Kickstarter. Uh, you've added a few fans since we started the show. Uh, Thune's Vision, all that stuff that was originally print, self-printed in 2016. That's uh, that's coming back with added stuff, including the uh, new more to in Kyra story, fan favorites. Um, anything else you want to talk about, bring up, or plug while we're here, Scott? Just to plug, Pylum uh, um, just came out with uh, a collection, the Wells of Ur, which is um, pretty incredible. I would have liked to have been a part of that, but I didn't have anything in the cabinet. But I'll get in on the next one. Um, Wells of Ur has uh, it's got John Mollison, who's currently just wringing the neck of the wargaming world and making it better. Uh, JB Jackson, I'm going to be hearing a lot more from him. And uh, Brian Renninger, who's uh, an ace guy, really sharp, uh, helped me out with some nautical terms. Um, for the last thing I was working on, which is ironic because I was in the Navy, but I was in an office looking at satellite imagery of North Korean submarines. So, but uh, the office was at sea. I was at sea at least. All right. Um, <laughs> and um, incredible poem on uh, Roberto Argentov is just, just uh, definitely something you want to check out. And it has an illustration by me. I'm now a professional. I just got to write a jingle for this thing, and I'll be a triple threat for Pylon Publishing. Awesome. I don't think I can write a jingle, though. It's but, hey, you know, anyone who's who's heard this or uh, supported it or at least uh, um, hung out and uh, engaged with any of this stuff, thanks. Uh, I can't stress enough how awesome this journey has been and how grateful I am for anybody giving any me any any time or attention whatsoever. There's so much stuff out there. There's so much stuff going on. We're all so busy. Things are all so goddamn nuts. So, uh, you know, just rest assured that I appreciate it and I don't ever take anything for granted. Uh, it's it. And I, we appreciate having you around. Uh, you're uh, it's been fun to talk to you and it's uh, always good to peek in on what you're doing. Awesome. Um, speaking of all the other people that, you know, like Peel and Press, the, the Wells of Ur, check that out. Um, I, I want to do a quick roll call of chat because half these guys are in here, right? Neil of uh, Peel and Press is here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Great writers, Brian Renninger, uh, Jeffro Johnson of Appendix N fame is here. Actually, uh, Jeffro is now of uh, Trilopolis fame now, his, 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 ridiculous AD&D campaigns. That's Alex, the second Alex. thing. That's the second thing that Jeffro Johnson is famous for in like less than five years. <laughs> he, did, <laughs> he did the Appendix M book. Oh, can I? Can and then I? he's just crushing it. Just messing her cripple. Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> Bust something out here. Do it. So after two years of people whining and moaning about all the stuff, the, uh, Trilopolis campaign is doing and also other pro SR campaigns. Um, this dude just like last week comes out and says, 
Oh, hey, here's this thing I've totally discovered. Oh, my God. Yeah, get ready for more of that. Get ready for more of that. That's that. All these, all these guys that are on all these various mediums, like how to be a better whatever and how to do this and how to do that, they're all going to suddenly realize that they knew this all along. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, it's, um, it's kind of shameful, you know, honestly. <laughs> this is how the world works. So, yeah, they're, they're, making YouTube videos now and writing blog posts about how, you know, coincidentally, they've just discovered all this stuff the Broasar has been doing for the last two years. Um, and I've now played like three sessions in the Trollopolis campaign. And again, Jim Fear saying it's uh, the most important D&D game in the world. Absolutely. Um, because it's uh, rediscovering all this old Gygaxian stuff. Um, and, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I will say that, um, completely apropos of something else, uh, I heard, uh, uh, someone mentioned to me something that, uh, Jeffro had been pulling back on some of the groups he's been in on Twitter because it seems like he might be working on another big project. Uh, and that big project uh, might involve another book. Uh, I don't. So Appendix N is not, might not be the last word. Oh, ho. Uh, yeah, I think you might be. I can neither confirm nor deny uh, any of these rumors. But um, I will just say that uh, from what I've heard, you know, it's not over, you know. Jeffro's got more stuff he needs to do. So now I'm not saying that's true because <laughs> I couldn't say that. I definitely could not say that. But piecing together some things I saw and 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 heard, uh, he's working on something. I think. I think he's working on something, and he's he's pulling back from Twitter and some other places to. Uh, free up some personal time to do some work on it. it. Certainly jives with my observations. That's all I can say. So you know, take that with a grain of salt, folks. Don't don't go you know running around saying, "Oh, Daddy Warpig said this. Daddy Warpig said that." No, Daddy Warpig's just you know, it's just what I've observed. I couldn't confirm anything. So I couldn't say anything for sure. Mm. Only mm, time start will tell. Rumors. Start rumors on the geek. <laughs> yeah, that's how we do. Uh, well, I'm about out of segues, rumors, and innuendos. Anything else from you guys? Thanks, everybody. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, I really appreciate everybody hanging out in the chat. We had a lively chat. Uh, I, I love all the people in whatever this is 
this this confluence of brosr um independent publishing pulp rev what whatever this is the 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 that's sort of coalescing uh amongst us uh, i love it and i love all of you guys uh and sky uh, it's so great to have you on uh, best of luck with the kickstarter uh full disclosure i'm probably gonna go click on something and give my money away uh, after the show fantastic um i hope everybody checks that out everybody listening live um look up thune's vision uh t-h-u-n-e thune's vision that's uh you're gonna see guys uh old work and i hope you really enjoy it uh that's it for me this week daddy war pig take it away uh, I also want to thank everyone who came and listened live. Uh, thank everyone who is listening later. You can uh, check out Geek Gab just about every week, just about this time uh, on youtube.com slash geekgab. That is youtube.com slash geekgab. Next week, unless, uh, you know, terrible disasters happen, we have Richard Fox coming on, who's very, very big in indie pubs, Mills SF. And so we are really looking forward to that. And then, oh, let me think. JB Jackson, John C. Wright, and uh, hopefully a very, very learned comics uh, specialist of, of my acquaintance, if I can badger him enough into coming on the show. Um, we are signing out for today folks but don't you worry don't you fret we will be back